but this message could not be more appropriate for the week that we have gone through. Here are the scriptures this morning for our service, for our message. 1 Corinthians 12:25 So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Romans 12:15 Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And from John 11:35 Jesus wept. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. Articulate your heart through my voice to your people. Let the transformation of our lives be wrought thoroughly by the Holy Spirit in response to your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. I remind you today of our vision of what one anothering means. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to do life the way Jesus did. For our series, we are exploring how we can give whatever we are learning about today that is caring, how we can receive whatever we are learning about, and how Jesus was our example. Last week, we talked about encouraging one another. I'll remind you that we closed last week's message with the promise from John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And these words as an encouragement, as a reminder of the victory we have in Christ, no matter what you face today, Your life in Christ holds the promise of a victorious finish of resting in the arms of Jesus for eternity. That was the close of last week's message. And then this week's message talks about caring for one another, starting from a place of comfort. This message, this message series was scheduled 6 weeks ago. But God was preparing us for our loss last week. And in this week's message, God is helping us find a way forward, helping us know how best to come alongside those who are grieving. Because caring for one another encompasses comfort and caretaking and love in a bundle of active, meaningful, Christ-like compassion. We're exploring the response Jesus had to a hurting family. And we're going to see how it is that Jesus knows himself what it is to grieve and how scripture reminds us that our emotions are part of who we are created to be. Jesus is our perfect example in all things, and his response to the loss of a friend is no exception. <clears throat> we have definitely endured our own loss this week as Mary Coulter has gone on to be with Jesus. And as a church we are working together to comfort her family and engaging with them in a meaningful way. But as I do that, I think about a friend of mine, Kathy. Kathy is a strong-minded woman who raised three children, has two grandsons, and she is now in her 70s. Her first marriage did not last. 
That husband was not a kind person, and although he was the father of her children, he often was not engaged in their raising. Her middle child, a son, was nicknamed Dippy, and he was the kind of fun-loving guy that got in trouble, but never too much, until one day the drugs and the drinking caught up with him, and in his mid-30s he died. Kathy was, of course, heartbroken. Her phone call to me was still the most heart-wrenching I have ever heard. He's gone, she wept. And I had to ask her twice who was gone because that was all she could say. And I wasn't sure if it was her second husband or either of her grandsons. She just kept saying, he's gone. Dippy died, and I mourned with my friend, but I hope most heartily that I never know that kind of grief personally. Kathy's daughter, Carolyn, was a close friend of mine personally. She and I had bowled on the same team. We were both pregnant with our sons at the same time, and we both named our boys Christopher. Hers was first, but I named mine first. Often they were referred to when we were together as the Christophers. We celebrated Christmases together, watched each other's children, as first I and then she had second babies. Carolyn was one of the funniest, kindest, most generous people I ever met. She was a Catholic, and I don't think she was terribly devout, but she was definitely comfortable with her faith. When Carolyn was 16, she had undergone a kidney transplant. And about two years after her brother died, she was diagnosed with liver cancer. She underwent some chemo, but because of the anti-rejection drugs she was on, she could not do the full treatment. Her body was either going to expire from cancer or from rejecting her transplanted organ. It was heartbreaking to watch Kathy and Christopher and all of the family going through this painful process. I did not know Jesus then myself, so I could only offer the weak platitudes of not being in pain. And again, there is really no way to express sympathy to a mother who has lost two of her children. My former pastor used to say that his fondest wish would be for his four children to bury him together. Not because he wanted to die, but because he wanted his children to outlive him. I cannot tell you how Kathy felt, how Kathy feels. She has one daughter remaining, and she's forever fearful of losing her. And her daughter is not the kind who stays home every week either, but travels the world. She was in, uh, I forget the name of the country now, uh, Nepal. Uh, when it had the earthquake last year in April, and her mother was terrified until her daughter found a way to get a hold of her and tell her that she was okay. I know that every day, Kathy wakes up remembering her losses. And as soon as I heard that Carolyn was sick, I went immediately to the hospital and spent time with her and the family, making myself available, even though I could offer nothing else to take away their grief. I wish I could have reversed Carolyn's illness. 
So when you read through the passage from John that precedes our text from there today, you might think that when Jesus hears that one of his friends, a supporter of his ministry, and a faithful contributor was sick, he would have done like I did and dropped everything and rushed to be by his side. However, scripture tells us these words in John 11:5. In John 11:5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Wait. Jesus stayed where he was. He who could heal all manner of sickness and had in fact healed blind, deaf, dying, bleeding, disabled people all over Israel stayed put when he heard that someone he loved was ill? That doesn't seem like it could possibly be accurate or right. But it is exactly what happened. Because Jesus had a plan. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And while on the outside it may seem callous, the truth is that Jesus always did what was best according to his father's plan, even though sometimes it was harder that way. Much harder. Because when he did finally arrive, and Martha ran out to meet him, but Mary stubbornly hung back. The same thing was running through their head. You could, have, you could have changed this. It, it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to end this way. And she came, Mary came running out in a reproachful angst. Jesus, the scripture says, was deeply moved by their emotion. And as he asked to go to the website, or has to go to the grave site. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. He might have known there would be a website later, but he was certainly not surfing the web then. Sorry about that. John 11.35 tells us Jesus wept. <clears throat> Jesus, who knew full well that Lazarus' death was only a pause, who knew he held the power to raise him from the dead, and who, in fact, fully intended to do exactly that. Jesus, who knew the end from the outset, who was the only one who knew exactly how this all would turn out, Jesus began to weep. Think for a moment about that word, weep. Because it doesn't say that Jesus had the sniffles. Or that Jesus held back silent tears. Or that Jesus was uh, tearing up in his eyes. He wept. That to me evokes sobs. Sounds. This was a loud cry. 
This was Jesus turning himself inside out and laying it all out there on the, on the spot in front of these people. This is the kind of crying you do when everything falls apart and you just can't even stop crying. It's deep. It's a solid grief that explodes from inside you and drowns your face. Jesus wept. Weeping gives voice to something bigger than a person can easily express in words. Weeping is not casual. It's not a momentary thing. Weeping is invested. Jesus is mourning because he cares for the heartbreak and the devastation that Martha and Mary and those with her are feeling. And he cares that Lazarus isn't there. He knows in moments this will end. But he doesn't dismiss his own grief in the moment before it does. I'm just going to say that one of the worst things to happen culturally to men in our society was the idea that being a man meant crying or giving voice to your grief was unacceptable. It is a tragic thing to see a man who is obviously hurting, being concerned more about the possibility of being viewed as weak in his emotions. But especially when you hear a verse like Jesus wept and you know that it is Christ-like to cry. I think we do a disservice to ourselves and others when we get caught up in all the reasons why we shouldn't mourn and we forget that sometimes we just need to express our grief. Paul says that he understands the reality of life and the challenges of it. He says, mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. He understands that there is a part of us that has to come alongside someone else who is mourning and we have to connect with them. And the way that we do that is to mourn with them. He doesn't discount the hope that we have. He knows, he acknowledges that the moment that we're in right now may not feel like we can see that hope. Because we can weep knowing that Jesus is coming back, just like Jesus wept knowing that Lazarus was going to be raised. We can trust Jesus. And we can trust the peace that we have that passes understanding. But we can weep because the thing that will happen hasn't happened yet. And we are heartbroken in the meantime. This is why Jesus didn't rush to Lazarus. He wanted to show us that our grief is okay. That even when we know that the resurrection is on the way, grieving is a response that we can expect. And we care for one another by offering comfort, by being present, by giving of ourselves, even when the pain is real and deep. 
Jesus knows our griefs today. I think he stands beside my friend Kathy, begging her to let him carry her load. I think he stands alongside the family of Mary Coulter. And he expects each of us to come alongside them too. He expects us to demonstrate his love in the midst of the death and sickness and mourning in this world because he expects us to share the hope we have to carry our friends to him and let him carry their burden too. I think he expects us to mourn with those who mourn because he knows that it is hard to live in a world that sits nestled between the already of his incarnation and resurrection and the not yet of his return. He recognizes our griefs because he knows them. He expects and allows and obligates us to share the griefs of others because he knows us. His love is bigger than the circumstances. Sometimes it is hard to see that love through a curtain of tears till it takes our hand, offers a hug, or cries along with us. Being the hands and feet of Jesus. Being who Jesus called us to be doesn't always mean writing a big check or going on a big mission trip or even preaching or teaching or being a leader. Sometimes it just means walking up to someone else who is hurting and crying with them. Now, we are going to receive communion as a reminder of the presence and power of God in our lives. Jesus commissioned us to celebrate and receive this meal together as a way to remind us every single time that while death and decay are realities in this life, our hope in the resurrection is sure. We are celebrating communion every week during our series on one anothering because it is through breaking bread together with each other at the table of Christ that we see most clearly our unity through him.
forsaking their sins, and believing in Christ for salvation, are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation, and be made one by the Spirit. Congregation, community with the church, we confess our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And so we pray. Holy God, we come before you in humility, for we do not live as we ought. We do not love you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We do not love our neighbor as ourselves. So we pray, in all humility, that you will change our hearts and minds, that you will show us again how to love others the way you love us, that you will put power and courage in our hearts to do your will. We gather at this your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. <clears throat> On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so as we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world in the body of Christ, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord is the King, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand now. I'm going to break the bread. And bless the cup. And then I will ask you to come forward and receive communion. We receive communion with open hands. <coughs> I will put the bread in your hand, and then you may dip it in the cup, and then you may go and stand at your place. This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. 
May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, shed for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you, and be thankful. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you that you graciously keep us. We who have received these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ, by this you assure us of your favor and goodness toward us. We are incorporated into the mystical body of your Son, the blessed company of all faithful people. We are heirs through hope of your everlasting kingdom by the merits of Christ's precious death and passion. Assist us with your grace, Heavenly Father, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and walk in goodness the way you have prepared for us, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom, with you and the Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Please open your hands and hearts to receive the benediction. May the presence of Christ that you have known today be with you through the rest of this week. May you always recognize the abundance of God's grace, love, and mercy in your life, and thankfully and joyfully spend it on those around you who need it most. May you never forget that you are loved, and because he loved you, you can love those around you. You have been to church. Now go be the church. Amen. You are dismissed.